Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jake Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. We're on Anchor. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on so many other podcasting platforms. We just can't keep, we can't even keep track of them at this point. And we're up at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. You can find us on all those locations. Check us out. Drink, what's going on, man? Great to have you on. Hey, man, you know, it's another uh, a fruitful Friday out here, man. So I can't complain. Everything good. Everything good. What about you and yours? I'm good, man. I'm good. How about you? Hey, well, let's do it then. You know what it is. Another day, another dollar. We got to give the streets what they need. We're going to see what they don't. Absolutely say what they want. Hey, set your, te- set your plates because it's time to eat. And Jay, you know what it is. Last but not least. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, Jay. All right. This is episode 11 of season three, and we got a clean sweep of previews. We're going to preview the American League and National League Championship Series in baseball. Uh, We're going to preview week six in the NFL and the old college football preview. We'll close it out for us. We're going to start with Thursday night football from last night. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moved to five and one on the season with a 28-22 victory. Over the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles now dropped to two and four. Tampa built a 21-7 halftime lead, halftime lead in this one. They would build on that early in the second half, and they made it 28-7. The Eagles made a late charge. They get to within six, 28-22 in the fourth quarter, but the Bucks used a chew, one of those chew clock drives at the end of the game to run out the clock, and they get the victory 28-22. Tom Brady, 34-42 for 297 yards. He threw two touchdowns. Two touchdowns on the ground for Leonard Fournette. Uh, tough night for the Eagles offense. Uh, just not a lot of yards for them. They, had, they were held to 213 yards. Just 113 were passing yards as Jalen Hurts uh, struggled with the pass rush of the Buccaneers. Miles Sanders, he got going a little bit late. Nine carries, 56 yards. Uh, but just two catches for the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, as he was not able to get it going last night. Drink. Uh if you, if you ask me, I think the result was a little was a little closer than I expected. But was this game really as close as the score might indicate? Hey, listen. Um, if you watched the first half of this game, come on, you can't believe this game was this close. Um, that that first half, like Philly just could not get out their way. Um, you know it it looked like a mismatch. Let's just call it what it is. It looked like a clear mismatch um the eagles defense couldn't really do a whole lot with 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 tampa bay offense you had um antonio brown out here just putting people on posters just blowing past them um and and the the crazy thing about this is this that was pretty much without the services of mike evans and chris godwin for the most part you had antonio brown and oj howard uh, oj howard side um that took up much of the load, Tom Brady. Um, you know, Tom Brady almost went for 250 in the first half. He, I, he was at, I think he was a, a shade on the 200 passing yards um, by halftime. And I, I, and the only reason I felt like it was that short because he threw that interception. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't know what – all I can say is this. Philly in this game looked like the Philly team that we projected when we did our preseason uh, previews of each conference and each division. We we felt like Philly was going to come in here and be the walking doormat of the you know the NFL in total, and then we seen what they did with the Falcons. 
Then we seen what they did with um, uh, Carolina. So that's two of their four wins. But I'm going to tell you right now, man, as I watched that last night, this is not going to cut it. Um, and I'm not just talking about Jalen Hurts. Actually, I think Jalen Hurts gave it the, as you called it on um, before the show, the college boy try last night. Um, he tried. He really did. I, I Listen, I understand people, well, he don't stay in the pocket long enough. He don't go through his progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds all good until you see some, like, 300-pound dude coming at you with all he got. Uh, I got it. If you want to tell me, well, he played football. That's what he's supposed to do. Well, you stand out there and you try that when your offensive line just laying down on the ground the whole time. Like, what do you want him mm-hmm. to do? Um, so, with that said, I think you need, you had to couple that with the fact they couldn't run Miles Sanders in the first half for whatever reason. I was thinking they just didn't want to run him. I think Vita uh, Vita Vea, he, I think he, him by himself, if you just took him, I yes. think he intimidated the whole Philadelphia offense as far as the run game go. Um, they looked at him and said, we're not going to run the ball. We're just going to pass. Uh, he really, I, I don't know what happened, but he seems to really stagnize their running game. Now, you know, and with that, if you're gonna if you're gonna make yourself one dimensional like they was in the first half, then hey, go ahead, Jalen Hurts, go and roll out to the right. We see it coming, and we're gonna send Shaq Barrett over there. Now it was one play where I thought Shaq Barrett had Hurts, and Hurts yeah. showed the speed. He turned it up, and he went around Shaq Barrett, and I'm pretty sure he was like, "All right, yeah, this <laughs> this, this young fella got some goods." Like um, he ain't just all talk. Uh, he just went right around Shaq Barrett, and I just knew that was gonna be a sack. Uh, but you know that was one of the few times that the Eagles actually won, and I don't. I think that was maybe a four-yard gain at the end of the day. So it wasn't <laughs> like it was a, a dramatic uh, play, you know, game-changing play. However, but it just showed the ineptitude of um, what the Eagles was doing on the offense in in, in the first half. Because the second half they kind of came alive, but in the first half they was flatlined. But I gotta say this. What, what what's that guy Howie something Roseman Howie whatever the GM name Yeah Howie listen, Roseman Howie Roseman Hey listen I got two bags of popcorn and a yield sign for Jalen Rager Like if you want to <laughs> trade him go ahead and trade him on over here cuz um he was oh my god you spent the first round pick on this cat Like this guy was if it wasn't for the fact that he drew he drew two huge pass interference calls, oh man, like what is remember, he on the field for? You remember the best part, right? The what best was, part of that he, was uh, Justin Jefferson was available at that time. Yeah. We we all knew. I think we all agreed at the time that it was <laughs> Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb. And then the and, next and best thing was Justin Jefferson, and right, I think Jefferson right, right. went to Jefferson went to the Vikings with the very next pick. And that right. looks like one of the big mistakes of last year's draft. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, because this this Jalen Rager cat ain't it. I was looking at him last night. And I'm just like, no wonder Devontae Smith only getting two balls through to him. I mean, if you look at the safety back there, and Troy Aikman called it out just as good. Like the safety, he don't even gotta make a decision back there. He's like, hey, wait number, <laughs> wait number six. 
I'm just gonna go ahead and chew on over here where yeah. number six at. Where number six? Cause um he knew 18 wasn't giving them nothing. Hey, don't even worry about him. We hey, you worry about six, you worry about hurts, and I mean not hurts, you worry about irks, you worry about gotta don't worry about that cat over there, though. What what's the other guy? G- Gangwell, the guy that got popular all of a sudden. We worry about him before we worry about Rega. Don't worry about Rega. Rega out here. One, two, three, Cancun in the middle of the season. That's Rager right now. Like, that's just not it. He was not it last night. Um, So I want to make sure I gave him that tidbit. But to what you said about the run game. Now, that was the first half. Now, the second half came around, and, and I thought Tampa Bay was, like, hanging on by dear life. I don't want to go, you know, break it down too much because you, you, you brought this to my attention last night as the game was going. You text, and you had some things, so I'm not going to steal your thunder on that. But – I'll say this. The run game came alive because they finally <laughs> wasn't scared of Vita Vega anymore. And, and and Miles Sanders looked good. And you know one thing? If your crawl, if you're at home and your crawl is just restless and they're begging you to run the ball, like, this is a passing lead. Passing lead. Like, we, we, we say this with all honesty, Jay. We watch the games for the passing, not as much as the running. Not to say running is not part of the game, but we here for the for, for the highlights. We here for the you know, you, the, the passing, as they say, throwing the football, put the butts in the seats. You know what I'm saying? So last night, the the Eagles fans, as rowdy as they can be, um, was really upset with the fact that Philly didn't run the ball. And then in the second half, they started running the ball. That's when Miles Sanders got his yards. And you could hear the Philly fans erupt and say, ball time. Um, so um, let me let me talk to you, Sirianni. Um, I, I don't know what offense you're running out here. But uh, <clears throat> let me just tell you something. If you want to keep your job, um, you might not want to be having the home crowd looking at you like, I can coach this team because uh, they was I, the whole time you hit, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They pan the scream on fans, and you see fans out there doing this, <laughs> like run, run the effing ball. So uh, I think Philly caught a better rhythm in the second half that allowed Jalen Hurts to find some people. He did find on uh, Devontae Smith again. I thought Quez um, Watkins. You know, showed up, gave him some things. Zach Ertz, you know, we had a Zach Ertz um, out uh, sighting. He scored a touchdown last night only to get traded in one. So, I, you know, I felt like the Eagles did. you, And I thought the Eagles was going to do what they did against Carolina, where they kind of got their act together in the second half, closed the gap, closed the gap, caught a break. They didn't necessarily do what they needed to do with the break, I don't think. But... I thought that was what I thought that was 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 gonna happen last night. It did not. Tom Brady did just enough. Also, we had a um, taunting call that was um, suspicious. That was that was. Uh, uh, you know, we had a taunting call, and you know the, the you know they say Tom Brady gonna get them calls, man. And last night it looked at a little suspicious. I mean, I'm not one of those conspiracy theories that say, hey, Tom Brady get all the calls, but I'm just saying. It was some calls last night. Are you talking about the one uh, on the last drive? That uh, Fournette, the Fournette one? Right, 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 right. Yeah, that was terrible. Because I felt like in the beginning of the game, see, 
and and I was listening, like, all right, that dude had gotten, he tunned it early in the game, and he got away with it, and he made. I mean, I ain't gonna say it was kind of like he made a better play early in the game, and he kind of halfway tunned it, and then this play. I mean, okay, you tackled him, like, but I'm pretty sure he had got the first down or something. Like, I didn't, I just didn't understand why he was barking at Leonard Fournette. On top of that, shout out to Leonard Fournette because he was smart enough to throw his hands up right in front of the referee. That look he like, gave was hilarious. He was like, <laughs> yeah, that was he, great. He hit him with the Westbrook, <laughs> and the and the ref standing right there. So what you thought the ref was gonna do? She like. Okay, <laughs> like, oh, you you want to talk that trash right in front of me? So she pulled a flag and threw that thing, and it was a weak call. But come on, man, you got to know what you're doing. You got to know where you're at. You got to know the situation. Don't like the call, but I didn't like what the player did even more. To be honest with you, you what 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 in the hell? What are you celebrating? You made a tackle? It's the NFL. Okay, cool. Get your ass back to the huddle. No. I don't, I don't I, that that whole thing frustrated me. So I leave that alone. With all of that said, Tampa Bay five and one. They definitely, you know, they lost Richard Sherman last night um, to a hamstring. Felt like the second play of the game or something. It was it was pretty early. Um, so they still need some, got some things to do with the secondary. But that that front seven folks, um, let me or the front six, if you want to say it that way. Linebackers looked good last night. I thought. Um, defensive line looked good last night, and, and listen, it is it is what it is. The Eagles just don't have enough to play a team like Tampa Bay for you know for a game. Um, and Tampa Bay, for all intents and purposes, I can say they let their foot off the gas because they just felt like the Eagles didn't have enough, and that's what it all came down to. So no, Jay, this game was not as close as the final score predicted. Yeah, it, from from my vantage point, it looked like uh, Tampa Bay clearly a superior team. 21-7 at the break, 28-7 at the half. And then, I mean, they just start, to me, they just started playing around too much, particularly after Philly has a missed field goal when it was a two-touchdown game. So you get the ball back, you know, just shy of midfield. And then you have a fourth and two around midfield, close to it. Fourth and two, fourth and three. Yeah, fourth and three at the at the Philly 46 and you like throw something that, you know, you throw the ball to OJ Howard, it's not close. And it's like, he did, it just felt like the way the game had went. Philly just hadn't shown enough offensive consistency that made you believe like, if you punt the ball and make them drive 90 yards, they're going to be able to do it. So, and especially when you look at like time and score, that made really no sense to me. And you know, right after that turnover, that right after that turnover and downs, it was just all of a sudden they they just uh, the Eagles discovered that Miles Sanders was in, was around. And he's like, hey, on time now, all right, all right, Miles, now it's your turn. Come on, man, I know you've been waiting all night. Gas him up. So they finally, you know, made it priority to get that dude in the game, and then they go for two, they get it, and then you know Tampa Bay did what did what they had to do. They got assisted by that taunting penalty that kind of jump started them. And then they was able to run at the clock. But I really thought, um, you know, I think give give credit to Philly for, you know, not quitting and not like just, you know, laying down and like, oh, we down three touchdowns to the Super Bowl champs. You know, right. this game's over. That mean, I thought that I thought the players competed. I just I guess in my mind, I, will, I didn't think 
either coaching staff was particularly great last night. I think the Bucks, the Bucks, the way they closed the game, I didn't like it. I thought they kind of mismanaged it. And then the Eagles, I mean, I know they're undermanned and they're just uh even with the home field advantage, that's not enough to like square these two teams. Right. But I, I'm just I'm just looking at after the Eagles open up with a touchdown drive, you've got six consecutive basically three and outs. And on those six drives, you've got Miles Sanders getting the ball on the ground. You've got him getting two carries. And I just don't – you've got Jalen Hurts, like, scrambling basically every play. And I get it. We said this – I think we said this opening night when Tampa played Dallas. And it was like Dallas, like, you know, their, their balance was just off kilter. It was like 50-some passes and, like, 10 runs or something, something ridiculous. I'm like, I get it. Vita Vea with his 350 pound behind, you can't move him and he's going to clog up everything. We get it. But you at least have to like make them think, like make the run game be a threat. So things like play action work. And just like Dallas did that, you know, they they didn't get it right that night. I thought Philly was, they didn't play it well uh, last night. But you looked, I mean, you looked at, but they had that stretch in the second half when they got cooking a little bit where they found some room. So, you know, I thought that was a mistake. I mean, especially with Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's just, it's just unfair to just put that much on Jalen Hurts at this stage with that offensive line, with that Tampa Bay pass rush coming at him. I mean, he was running for his life, basically every play from the jump. And to his credit, he, he got sacked twice last night. And he avoided a whole lot more because, you know, Shaq Barrett was seemingly coming for him about every play. So that, that just, just brings me back to another point I thought of. I think they were the Eagles were like doing a halftime thing where they honored uh, two of their old offensive linemen, Trey Thomas and John Runyon. Well, I'll tell you one thing. They could have used them dudes last night because uh, what they got going on right now just is uh, not quite it, I got to tell you. I think for so we know we know about the Eagles. I think that two and four right now, you know the way they play week one, and then you get a win against Carolina, who Carolina looks like they're a solid football team. I mean, a two and four looks like about right for them, it, or maybe that you can even say that's better than we could have hoped for, because I thought they were going to be a complete disaster this year, and they at least seem to like they they got it appears they got some bright spots. So how, however many more wins that equals out to. That remains to be seen, but I don't think it's going to be a lot. But, I mean, good for them for at least looking like a professional outfit. Tampa, I still think that there is some cause for concern for Tampa. This secondary just, I mean, it's decimated. It, 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 it's not like one of their strengths to begin with, but the injuries are just hilarious. Uh, Jamel Dean, he got he to gotta get his crap together. He'll, he'll hold it on every play. They had a gross pass interference call that they that the refs missed. They got away, where yeah. He's, yeah, he's he's face guarding. He jumps mega early, and they just completely whiff on that in the end zone. I think Jalen Hurst scored right on the next play, so it didn't matter. But that was terrible. Uh, so he, he's got to be a little bit better. He's like the one corner they still have. You know, when you talk about him, Davis, and uh, Murphy Bunting, he's the one guy who, you know, was in there like three-man rotation last year. So he's got to be a little bit better. But you lose Richard Sherman, that hurts a lot. I don't think they had Antoine Winfield last night. So that's going to be a problem. And, you know, against if you look at their schedule, they haven't, you know, it hasn't been the, the toughest of roads so far. So against teams um, that are, you know, a little bit better than Philadelphia is, I think they could struggle. But, 
and they do have that front seven, which is still ferocious. You talk about Shaq Barrett. Uh, you talk about uh, JPP and those two two great middle linebackers uh, that they have. Um, that, that, I mean, they're going to be fine. That's just going to be a, a weakness of them, and hopefully their pass rush can, like, compensate. But I think one thing that will help their defense, and, I, you know, it goes back to the – um, the point of like the running game for the for the other side for the Eagles, I, I want I want more Leonard Fournette. This guy, I mean, when you watch him play, it appears there is still a reason that Jacksonville several years ago made this guy the fifth pick or uh, however what he was a high first round draft pick. I, I still there's a lot of juice in that tank. I thought he was really good last night. He, he's a better receiver than I think people give him credit for. And I, I just, I think Tampa Bay, they get too cute sometimes. You know, if, I, if I'm out there with a 44-year-old quarterback, and I get it, Tom Brady is still slinging it. He's playing at a high level. But I think it would be in their benefit to lean more on Leonard Fournette. And if you want to throw Ronald Jones in there more, I'm cool with that. But lean more on the running game. Let that offensive line, you know, get downhill, get in the game early. And just, I know they got a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, but – I would run the ball more, and I think running the ball, that's going to help that defense, you know, because you, you run the ball, you control the clock, that'll help the defense. And they did control the clock last night, and they do that with the short passing game, so I'm good with that. But um, I just think I just think the running backs need to be more involved. And also, you know, I know they got Giovanni Bernard to be the third down dude or the, situationally. I, I just think when you have that many running backs that you're trying to sprinkle in, it can get a guy like Leonard Fournette out of rhythm I'm good. I like the, you know, if you want to put two backs and do the split that way, but I think if you've got three, then you're kind of pushing it. Let Leonard Fournette work. Let Ronald Jones work. I, I'm not the big, I mean, no disrespect to Giovanni Bernard, but I think it's a little bit overdoing it at this point. All right. So now we're going to head over to MLB. We got tonight, we got the uh, ALCS with the, the Red Sox versus the, the Astros. And then tomorrow night, we got the NLCS. With the Dodgers versus the Braves, those that don't know what I mean with the acronyms, that's American League Championship Series, National League Championship Series. So with that said, Jay, please tell the people what we're looking for tonight and tomorrow night. I think one of the, in, in the American League where you got Houston, Boston, by the way, Houston's fifth straight American League uh, Championship Series appearance. You know, you can say what you want about trash cans and all these other things, but these dudes are consistent. I got to tell you that uh, they, they will be without uh, Lance McCullers Jr., who was fantastic in game one of the division series and pitched well up until uh, up until in game four of the ALDS had some uh, arm tightness. I think he they left him off the roster. Jake Odorizzi is going to replace him. So their rotation, uh, not as strong as maybe they'd like. I guess they're, I'm assuming they're going to go with Frommer Valdez in game one tonight. And, uh, I think Boston's going to go with Chris Sale. Uh, obviously, game one, you know, you'd like to get out to a one nothing lead in that one. I, I'm leaning Houston this series. I think, you know, when you look at their batting lineup, one through seven, there are no weaknesses whatsoever. When you talk about Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, uh, Yuli Gurriel, Carlos Correa, and Kyle Tucker, who I think led the led baseball in on-base plus slugging, and he's batting seventh for this team. So that just gives you a, a picture of the just depth of this club. Uh, I think Boston, um, uh, they, they, they're well-deserving of being here. They were able to beat the Yankees in the wild card. And, I mean, I, 
I was somewhat surprised that they got by Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay's uh, pitching staff was a little, they had a, quite a few injuries in their rotation. And plus you look at the losses of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton in the off season. I think that had, that had, that played a factor as well. Uh, their lineup's also very good. I think even without Lance McCullers in that rotation, I still think the Astros have a slight pitching, pitching edge. The lineups may, may be somewhat even, but Houston home field advantage, uh, their lineups, their lineups a little bit deeper, and I think it's a little bit more explosive than Boston. But it's gonna it's gonna come down to me. I think it comes down to pitching. I think Houston's pitching is a little bit better, even though Lance McCullers is not there. But it also depends. I think what to, who, which what Chris Sale do we get? If we get Chris Sale, who's you know a Cy Young winner and can get double digit strikeouts like it's nobody's business. And if he and if he comes out and, and like you know makes a has a great performance tonight, then that might change my opinion in this series. But I, I haven't seen you know enough consistency of the old Chris Sale to believe that'll happen. I, I'll take Houston in this series. I'll, I'll take it in six. I think I think Boston can push them a little bit, but I think <clears throat> I think Houston's going to advance. I think the other way in the National League, I think the Braves are a great story. I think this is. Well, they didn't make, I can't I can't remember if this this under Brian Snicker they may have advanced to the championship series in the last couple of years but this this one I definitely didn't re- expect when your best player Ronald Acuna Jr. goes down in a regular season they remake this entire outfield at the trading deadline we talk about Adam Duvall uh, Eddie Rosario uh, Jorge Soler who I think is going to miss this series now or could miss this series and then also Jock Peterson they remake this entire outfield. Um, the batting averages, when you look at them, they aren't pretty, but they, hey, they Jay, do up. Yeah. What? What? Um, sorry to interrupt. Why? Why you think so, uh, Soler gonna miss the seed? I read series? some. I read some uh, some headline that he's uh, got some might be a calf injury or something. I think his status is in doubt right now. Get the research research department on that one, which is me tonight, I guess. <laughs> the guys took the day off. Uh, oh. Okay, I'm reading that it's because of COVID. I guess he didn't get the vaccine. But anyway, look. Um, so, but anyway, I think the Braves have have uh, overachieved by a long shot. Milwaukee was the home team in that in that NLDS. I'm looking at, but I'm looking at them, and then I'm looking at the Los Angeles Dodgers. They are the defending champions. This is a team that before the season started, they looked like perhaps the odds-on favorite. They went out the trade deadline. They got better. They got Max Scherzer. They got Trey Turner. Um, now they did. Now their rotation is not as strong as it could be. We know about Trevor Bauer with all the issues he's having off the field, and Clayton Kershaw is out for the play for the postseason. So you know you only have half of that magnificent quartet with uh, Max Scherzer now and Walker Bueller. But you do have Julio Urias. He can come in and he can pitch well for you. So, but I still I, I think. All in all, even with some of the some of the guys that the Dodgers don't have, I think I think it's going to be really really tough for for the Braves um, to 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 upset the apple cart in this one. I think I think we're on a collision course to see a rematch of the 2017 World Series with the Astros and the Dodgers. Uh, we've been close. We've been close to a rematch of that the past couple years, but I think. Um, I think I think we're going to get it here. I think I think the Dodgers, I think they get them out of here in five. I think I think they're that good. 
And I think I think this is about um, as far as the Braves can go, unless their pitching overperforms. But I just don't see it. Yo, I'm, listen. I, I just want to say, hey, we we do talk before the show, but um, when we make predictions like this, we we kind of like keep that to the cuff until we make the prediction, just to see how we thinking. And right. I'm telling you right. No, that is exactly what I got. I got that. I got. <laughs> I can't make this up. Um, I had Houston in six because I, I respect Boston, um, and I had the Dodgers in five because I don't respect the Braves as much. Listen, I got it. They made it to this this spot, but listen, I was not um, overly impressed with the the Milwaukee series last series and the divisional series. I just I found it very hard. For people to score in that whole series, I mean, yeah. it was a low-scoring affair that whole series. Um, and now you got a team like the Dodgers that can really hit it. And I, I get, I get what you're saying about they they lost a couple of guys, but hey, I mean, if you're gonna give me Bueller, if you're gonna give me Scherzer, and listen, this kid um, Julio Arias, listen, he was a 20-game winner, folks. So um, right, right. Uh, this this guy's not a scrub by no means. So I, I just think, like you said, man. I look at the Dodgers and I'm like, yeah, they had to play that emotional game last night. But let's let's keep it real here. San Francisco won deep. They was <laughs> they was they play, I would put it like this. They played that game in San Francisco last night for a reason. Um, and and the Dodgers had to pull out all the stops to get it done, and rightfully so, because San Francisco is the type of team you would have to do that. You don't win a hundred and what like nine games without being, you know, a legitimate team. So, uh, I just think the Dodgers will be too much for the Braves. I don't think that – I don't think that series will be particularly competitive. I'm going to be real with you. I don't I don't foresee the Braves really – They like we said, I give them a game because they're a professional, you know, team, but I don't think that series is going to be that, that competitive. So, I think the series I would pay attention more is the American League Championship Series. Listen, because like I say, I got, you know – Tons of respect for uh, what Boston doing, and you, you gotta have respect for Houston. Like you said, make the trash can jokes all you want to, but if you separate, if you take the trash can out of the ordeal, Houston still was out here smoking stuff. So um, let you can hang on to that, and you can you can use that joke. But when you get when you get beat without the trash can, it's gonna be even worse now. At least the people in the in the past can complain about a trash can. Science, yeah, okay, you got it, but. You can't say that now, and you're still losing to them. So it's kind of like that Patriots thing, right? Spygate, yeah, deflated I, footballs. But then yeah, when I, you don't got all that, then what? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's one of those things that, like, it's you look at that, especially from my perspective, just like the Patriots. Like, Patriots and Astros, you know, you go back to the Patriots' success, which that, you know, that thing is kind of over right now. But, I mean, they were clearly good enough to win without whatever – you know, assistance they were getting by, you know, questionable methods to put it right. diplomatically. And the same thing can be said for Houston. You know, these guys were good, you know, and, you know, uber talented, regardless of whatever, you know, methods they employed, which were against the rules. So, and I also think, you know, the underrated thing, I really don't want to, I don't think the, I don't think the, the whole thing of five consecutive ALCS appearances or championship, uh, series appearances can be undersold i think that's only happened two other times in the history of the sport so these guys not only are they talented 
but the the experience like they just i mean the, the old phrase of like act like you've been there before but they don't have to act because they've been here before just over and over and over and over that no situation is going to intimidate these guys and but to boston's credit they got a lot of guys you know who've been in these situations before um you know they they want they they were the 2018 world series champions alex core don't forget about him being back uh as the manager i think that makes a big deal but i think um i think it's houston's time in the alcs and also uh for dusty baker like i i, I think it'd be a real feel-good story if you look at the aftermath of the the cheating scandal by houston they lose aj hinge they they, they kick the gm out of town as well and then you bring in Dusty Baker at the ripe age of, I don't know, 88 or whatever. He ain't that old, but you get what I'm saying. But this is a guy who's been around the block. And the only thing missing from this guy's resume is a World Series. Uh, I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I really am. And back to the other side very quickly. Atlanta, you talk about Atlanta and Milwaukee. Very low-scoring series. And you kind of expect that with Milwaukee. Milwaukee, really known for their pitching. Um, it's, they, they struggle to swing the bat. Uh, Braves able to get by them. They were able to hold it down. They were able to pitch effectively, but it's just it's just going to be a completely different level because the Dodgers, for, even though they're missing a few guys, like you say, they still can roll out. They still can roll out three, uh, you know, ace like guys with great stuff. And then you look at their lineup. I think they're really the lineup. They're only missing one guy, I believe, and that's Max Muncie. But even so, this lineup is deep. You know, when you talk about up top, you got Mookie Betts, you got Corey Seager and Trey Turner, and then you get to the guys who can, you know, hit, hit for some power. Um, and I tell you, if Cody Bellinger, you know, can get out of his season-long funk, uh, he, he's probably the X factor at this point. But I think it's uh, I think it's just such a huge step up in competition, even though Milwaukee had a heck of a season. Um, the Dodgers are just on a different level, and I, I just think it's too much to ask for Atlanta to overcome that. Yeah, and so with that said, for our baseball listeners that that to say we don't talk much baseball, here you go. Here you go the preview for the championship series. We'll be back on this next week. All right, now we're gonna move back to the NFL. It's week six. You know we do this every Friday. We got the action coming up. Early, early, early game on Sunday. Want to make sure I say Miami Dolphins. At the Jaguars, 9-3rd on CBS. That game will be in London. So with that said, Jay, what ga- what other games on the schedule that you you looking forward to watching? No, you meant to say what games because that's not that's certainly not one of them. Uh, this is second straight week alone week that I've got the London game on snooze alert. Uh, look, if you look if you're going out Saturday night and you you know you're having fun, you maybe you're having partaking in some uh, adult beverages. I'll say. Uh, don't feel bad. Uh, you can you can sleep it off. Take 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 uh, get 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 some sleep. Reset it, and you come back at one o'clock and maybe get on some of the, the Chargers Ravens action. But I'll leave that for drink. He's got that one marked. So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not. Thought, I mean, I may end up watching a little bit of Dolphins Jaguars, but you know, I might I, maybe I'll sleep in a little bit. Anyway, I'm looking at you know as far as a one o'clock slate. This might be one that's flying under the radar, but I think um, you know the Kansas City Chiefs at two and three. You know, with, I think it's about that time that we start seeing some things from them. And by things, I mean uh, less lackluster performance because we're seeing we're seeing a whole bunch of nonsense from them. Patrick Mahomes, he's got six interceptions so far this year through five games. Um, that's just unlike Patrick Mahomes. 
Um, they got. I think they need a little, a little bit more from receivers not named Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being out, that's going to be a challenge. But they are playing the football team, the Washington football team. So, you know, that, that, that should be somewhat beneficial. They're not the most explosive team, you know, on the face of the earth. They're going to be missing quite a few pieces. It's Taylor Haneke. Uh, they should be able to, you know, this should be one of those games I look at and like they should be able to get healthy, you know, reset, get back to the fundamentals and just go out there and play because they're cap- They're obviously capable of playing a lot better than what they played so far. And it's a long season. You know, the, the Chiefs are capable of getting hot in a hurry. And I think this is a game where you could see a start of something special from them. So I think that uh, I think Kansas City is going to handle their business. And I think, yeah, they're going to they're gonna win that game by at least two scores. Uh, you know, outside of that, I'm looking at, look, I would be remiss if I didn't get into Raiders-Broncos. Not not necessarily because, you know, I'm a Denver Bronco fan. But, I'm listen, we talked about the Raiders somewhat in depth, um, or uh, the former Raiders, because they're no longer ran by John Gruden. Well, you know, John Gruden goes, and now I'm reading it. Well, actually – you know, Mike Mayock, the general manager. Well, he's he got promoted in in a way because he's got final personnel decisions. How about that? The coach gets canned and the GM is like, I have more power now because you're not going to give, what you call him, the shoe shine dude? Rich, Bus, whatever his name is. They got running the interim job. So, look, I'm looking at the Raiders and I'm saying, how, it, how do you respond to this adversity? Because this is something like, you don't you don't see this very often. It's got to be some sort of a jolt to have your coach just, you know, out of here. They were 3-0. They've lost two in a row. Now you get a division rival on the road. I think the, I believe this game's being played in Denver. So how do they respond? And, you know, can, you, can they reestablish some rhythm? Or is it too early, you know, or, or is this – I mean, this, this is a situation that just unfolded this week. How much of a distraction has it been? It's, it's got to be weighing on some of these guys. Um, and do they have, you know, the right group of, you know, assistants to make this thing work? I can understand. No, listen, no disrespect to Greg Olson and Gus Bradley, you know, but these are guys who, you know, Bradley was the guy running Jacksonville for several years. Greg Olson was his OC at one time. So I guess I can't blame uh, Mark Davis for not wanting them in charge. So maybe – Wait, but Bakia is the guy for this one. But like, okay, um, Mr. Chico Stick. Like, so we go get this dude right that we never heard of. That okay, the, he got thirty years of head, uh, coaching yes. experience. Blah 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 blah. Has he been a head coach? I don't think so. Gus Bradley might not was good at it, but he's been a head coach. And listen, you're the interim head coach. It ain't like. You're the first selection from the owner and the GM. It is an unfortunate situation. We got to have a replacement. I just don't like them getting some dude that sound like expensive bread. I don't like it. I just don't like it. That's all I'm saying. Like, it don't make sense to me. Well, in fairness, I mean, maybe these guys were too busy, like, you know, clearing out their email account, you know, to, you know, give it that much thought. I'm just just saying. So, I I think, look, both Denver and both Las Vegas – they're, they started three and zero. Both of them on two game losing streaks. I think it's a it's a huge game for both teams if they want to make the playoffs. But I think you know I don't. I, I agree with you what you said before the show. 
Um, I think the Raiders are done at this point. I think it's too much. To, I think this situation is too much to overcome when you talk about this big of a shakeup for this particular reason. I, I think Denver's going to win that game. And then the last one I'll get into very briefly is uh, I think Buffalo, Tennessee. That's a compelling Monday night matchup. Um, Tennessee, you know, I think they're I think they're three and two. I think they're uh, leading the AFC South. But I think if I had to guess, something doesn't feel quite right with them. Um, I'm not imp- I'm not impressed with their defense. I think Ryan Tannehill is pretty underwhelming at this point. They've had some injuries uh, in the receiving game. They do get Julio Jones back in this one. Um, that's a big deal. But we know we know what this is about. This is about Derrick Henry, um, the NFL ru- the the king of NFL rushing at this point. Let's not get it twisted. And the Buffalo Bill defense, number one against the run so far. So that's going to be a strength on strength matchup. Um, and I think it's quite simple. If the, if, if the Bills can, you know, do a good job and limit Derrick Henry, which I know that's no small task, uh, they're gonna. I think they're gonna win that game. If Derrick Henry has a big night, though, that can set up everything else because you're able to control the clock, limit Josh Allen possessions. Tennessee, you know, that's a good enough. You know, that's a well coached football team. Mike Vrabel's done a heck of a job. So, but if if, if Derrick, the, the best chance they have, Derrick Henry's got to run the ball. They got to they got to sustain drives, stay in third and shorts. Uh, that's the formula for them. Um, so that that's an interesting one. I'm not even gonna pick that one. So we'll we'll see how it shakes out. Over to you, brother. All right, uh, yeah. So um, the first game I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about. Hey, the Cincinnati Bengals going on a visit to the Detroit Lions. I know you're saying the Bengals in the Lions. Yeah, but yeah. Though, is yeah. this guy serious? Yeah, you gonna go have to tell me something. Oh, I'm about to tell you something. <laughs> I think um, here's the deal. Kneecaps. You gotta prove me right. I think Cincinnati goes down to Detroit and and kneecaps get his first win, man. Listen, here's the deal. Um, yes. you know he he did his thing. He showed some emotion. I think this team really cares. Listen, the lines are not good, but they're not out here getting just obliviated. I mean, I think they last what two games? I want to say, or maybe it was a game in between. It was like last last second losses. Okay. So. I think I saw a graphic to that point where, like, they're the first team ever or something to lose on 50-plus-yard field goals in the same season at the buzzer. I think that's what I saw. Right. So, with that said, that lets you know the Lions can be competitive, and we did see them against Green Bay. You know, they can be competitive when they want. I think, you know, kneecaps, get them ready, coming down to, you know, coming out to the Silver Dome, whoop the whoop you know, Ford Field, whatever, and – Either way, I, I think the Lions win this game. Um, I know it's a three and a half. The Bengals are three and a half point favorites as of now. So, and they probably even move to four. I think before the game starts. However, I think the Lions win. Upset alert on that one. Then um, the second game I want to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers uh, going to visit the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is going to be a barn burner, folks. They got this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Baltimore two and a half fa- two and a half points favorites. And look, here's the deal. Lamar Jackson. So, we've been saying Lamar got to pick it up in the passing. Pick it up in the passing. Pick it up in the passing. If he figure out the passing, he's going to be unstoppable. We know what he do with the legs. The Ravens need him to go to the next level and pick up the passing. And pick up the passing. Now, do you know Lamar Jackson is top seven in most passing um, stats right now? Um, he's actually passing the ball. And the Ravens seem to be a more dangerous team. Now, I'm going to be real. Up to this point, I think this is the most challenging game they, they have played thus far with the Chargers. The Chargers are phenomenal. Chargers are like 
two pieces away from being like a well all the way around well you know team here um i really like what they do i mean they rookies from last year then the, 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 you know so i say the second year players and their rookies from this year they didn't miss don't look like all of them hit you know slater asante samuel then you had Derrick james when he got drafted then you got uh herbert like I mean, they they don't look like they missing down there in Los Angeles. They look like they drafting and they drafting at a high level. Um, so with that said, I think they got a defense that can give Lamar some problems when he gets the willing and dealing. I definitely think they pass rush. Listen, if Baltimore don't eat their Wheaties on the offensive line, that pass rush will give Lamar Jackson some problems. Listen, Bosa ain't playing out here, folks. Yeah, he gonna bring some guys with him. That will give Lamar some problem, but then on the flip side, I think Lamar, I think the, the Ravens can give you know Herbert some problems. Here's the deal, though. Herbert, if you ask me, has more reliable weapons. The Ravens' run game is pathetic. You take Lamar Jackson out of that run game, it is downright pathetic. Latavius Murray might need to retire. That other guy Williams, clearly he don't know that he's an NFL running back. And then you got Le'Veon Bell still on the practice squad. That just lets you know, you know, they just don't. It's not it. Like what that running game is. What about Devontae up? Freeman? Oh yeah, <laughs> I thought you still with the Falcons. I forgot. You know what I'm saying? So listen, hit. I'm just not. I'm not in there with that that running game. And I think they're yeah. gonna need a running game because what the Chargers bring in the pass rush game and what how the Chargers. You can't just go in there one dimensional. I'm telling you, this is not the defense to do it. Um, however, on the Chargers side, they do have a run game. Austin Eckler is doing very well back there, and he's a bad man out the backfield. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna take. Um, also, even though they got the points on on Lamar, I'm gonna take the Chargers in that one. I'm gonna take them to win straight up. Um, and then uh, I want the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. They got them three and a half. I'm um, going down to New England, 425 CBS. Oh yeah, and then for the third straight game, I'm taking the underdog. I think Matt Jones, man. Listen, um, as far as quarterbacks go, I think Matt Jones is clear cut the rookie of the year. Um, and I think the only person he's really fighting against right now is Jamar Chase out from the Bengals. Um, but you know, I, I think the Cowboys going to go down there because here's the deal, right? You can't move the ball on the Cowboys. And the Cowboys get a lot of turnovers. But I think sometimes we we equate turnovers to good defense. Well, I can understand that. But that don't mean they're really stopping people. That just mean they, they cause a lot of turnovers. Well, the one thing Matt Jones is good at is, the, you know, you know, not turning over the ball so much and keeping drives alive and just doing the right thing. Matt Jones is not a flashy guy. He's not a, hey, I want the biggest play. I want to do this. He just plays within the game. I think if Matt Jones hold on to the ball like he can and, and the Ravens, uh, not the Ravens, uh, the Patriots, I'm sorry, if the Patriots get that run game going like I think they can, I do think. They can shorten this game to a point where the, the Cowboys are going to get in a rhythm where they're just going to have to pass, pass, pass. Kind of like what you said about the Cowboys in week one against Tampa Bay, where, where it was so disproportionate with the pass and the run. We, we could get another one of those games. The only thing I would say is the Patriots' defense probably don't strike fear into the Cowboys' offense like that to make them so pass happy. But I do think the Patriots can short the game, shorten the game 
so much to where the Cowboys press a little bit and they do pass more than they actually have to because they think the game is like getting out of getting out of their way of what they want to do. So I'm gonna take the Patriots. I think that's you know I think New England gets them. I think the juices are still flowing in New England from Tom Brady returning home. I'm coming home, you know. So the, you know they read it. Um, this this is a 4:25 game, so it's not like they gotta wait all night until the game gets started. So I'm going to take New England in that one. And then last but not least, I wanted to just hit on the Seattle Rustless Seahawks and the um, Pittsburgh. We need to get rid of Big Ben Steelers. Here's the deal. Um, <laughs> this this game is intriguing on NBC just because we just don't know. Well, with Seattle, we kind of do know what we're going to get. We just don't know what we're going to get out of Pittsburgh. You don't know if Big Ben going to come to play consistently or not. If he does, this game is over by halftime probably. I mean, listen, I got it. NFL, professional, you got to show some respect. But the Seahawks haven't even shown themselves no respect. And the fact that you're going to try to get me to believe that Geno Smith, Geno Smith, is going to be the guy that holds the fort down while Jay, hold on, Jay. I got to ask you this. When when have you seen a, a Geno Smith-led team be good? Uh, I think they, they were okay. West Virginia was okay when he was there. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the NFL, I guess, though. So oh, I, yeah. I forgot yeah, about West Virginia. I'm drawing a blank in the NFL circles. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't tripping. So yeah, I'm looking at that. So I'm pretty sure still is gonna take care of that one. They just they're more talented and they just got their stuff together a little. Not saying the Steelers are world beaters, but they got their stuff together a little more than the Seahawks. And I'm gonna be real here. I'm gonna just take this to the bank. I'm not taking Seattle series no more until Russell Wilson come back and then somebody else show me some when he come back. I think the Seahawks are done this season. This is gonna think- probably be the just just to jump in on that game and just further illustrate why it's going to be tough for Seattle. The best thing about Seattle is Russell Wilson. The second best thing about Seattle is it's their Russell receivers. Wilson. Well, yeah. Okay, so the third best thing <laughs> is their receivers with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in particular. When you when you have a when you have Russell Wilson down for the count for a little bit, that affects the receivers too. So now, no. So now, I don't see, you know, Lockett and Metcalf being as effective when you have Geno Smith throwing the ball. And not only that, I believe Chris Carson is going to be out another game. So now your running game also is compromised. So I don't. Seattle might be looking pretty rough here for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I don't know. I think NBC might be a little mad on this one. They're going to be like, "Listen, what the world? What? What are we? <laughs> ain't this some?" This, hey, y'all could have gave this to ESPN. But either way, um, yeah, those are the games I'm looking forward to. So let's see how that roll out. All right, turning to college football. Another packed weekend of great college football action. Listen, Georgia's the number one team in the country. They're going to get Kentucky in the 330 CBS game. So I just you know can't wait for that one. Kentucky probably... Just happy to be there at this point. But uh, we'll see if they can give uh, Georgia a run for their money. And then the number two team in the nation, Iowa, they're going to get Purdue at the uh, at the same time, 330 on ABC. Cincinnati making their way into the 
the top three, they're going to get Central Florida, meet the Gus Malzahns at noon on ABC. And then from there, you got Oklahoma's the fourth team right now. Will they continue to squeak by in every single game this year? Well, I guess we'll find out. It's 7.30 on ABC. I'm sure Kirk and Chris are just happy and pleased as punch to call that one. Uh, Alabama down to number five this week. They get Mississippi State. They should be able to get healthy against them. And then, well, I've went through all those. How about Big Noon on Fox? You got Oklahoma State and you got Texas. Texas fresh off that 18-point blown lead against Oklahoma in the Red River shootout. They should just rename the game at this point. But they'll get Mike Gundy and his hair and all that. Drink, what are you looking forward to this week? <laughs> I was looking forward to some more of that intro, but here's the deal. <laughs> um, uh, l- listen, w- w- number one it would be Kentucky and Georgia, but I- I'm going to give a couple teams, other teams some shine on my way down to it. Um Starting off with the big noon kickoff, number 12, Oklahoma State, number 25, Texas. Um, they got Texas as a five-point favorite. I think that's good. I, w- I would take Texas in this game outright if it wasn't for the fact that I just watched their defense kind of collapse. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I know Oklahoma State can put up some points. I know Texas got, you know, the, probably the number two guy in the Heisman race, and if you take quarterbacks out, they got the number one guy in the Heisman race. Um and B. John Robinson, but you know, you gotta play both sides of the ball. And we seen that last week where Texas got out and looked at like world beaters, and then the defense said, Hold on, hold that bill. And they they hit the line chairs, and that was that. Like they just let Oklahoma come and walk them back down, and they lost a very a very winnable game, I might add. Um, so um I'm looking at this. Uh I will I guess I'll take Texas, but I'm gonna take Oklahoma State to cover just because I can't believe in that defense. Um, I'm not wasting my time with UCF and Cincinnati, but hey, that game is on at noon at ABC. They got Cincinnati as a 21-point dog, so I'm going to leave that right where it's at. Um, we got Arkansas number 17. Um, I'm sorry. We got Auburn versus number 17, Arkansas, you know, coming on at noon on CBS, right before the game that we really care about. Um, so I'm looking at this game. I think Arkansas will take care of business here. I haven't seen nothing out of Auburn that just makes me think, the fact that this game is at four and a half right now, I'm almost tempted to say this might be a tad bit disrespectful. But then I look and say, you know, maybe they, Vegas don't believe in Arkansas as much as the rest of the nation. So I'm cool with that. You know, we'll see how that goes. This game is in Fayetteville. And last time when we seen Texas roll into Fayetteville, Arkansas, we seen how that crowd got to them. So I think we could possibly see the same thing, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and then, you know, um, <laughs> no, yo, <laughs> this game, noon ESPN, <laughs> number 20, Florida, 11 and a half over LSU. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. LSU, I'm not even sure they got enough players to play this game at this point. Like, they, they I mean, Ed, Ed, you are fired, buddy. Um, but... With that said, uh, Florida probably win this game by 14 or more points. I'm not going to waste too much listeners' time on that. Now, the game that we all want to talk about, the number 11 Kentucky going going down to Athens to play the number one team in the nation, Georgia. They got Georgia as a 22-and-a-half-point favorite. On Listen, first of all, this game is getting played on CBS at the prime time time, meaning let's not be so disrespectful to Kentucky. I got it, it's Kentucky. I got it. 22 and a half, have y'all have, if you haven't sat down and actually watched Kentucky play, maybe you should, and you will see that 
They're a more competitive team than what Vegas think. I think this game comes down to 14 points. I do think Georgia is the better of the two teams, and I do think Georgia will win the game. But I do not think Georgia covers 22 and a half. I just don't think that. I think Kentucky covers that that spread because I think this game will be, you know, nip and tuck, and then Georgia pulls away, and like I said, about 14 points. Georgia is not – listen, they don't have the offense to just – take the top off and keep rolling unless they playing UAB or Vanderbilt. If they playing like a competent, you know, SEC team, which Kentucky is, they're not just going to blow their doors off. So we can go ahead and get that one out the, out the door. Um, Coming on down, you know, you, you hit Iowa and Purdue. I don't think that game is going to be particularly um, competitive. Um, I'm looking at BYU, number 19 BYU versus Baylor. Um, they, they're they giving Baylor six and a half in that game. That's interesting. Uh, that's very interesting. That, that lets me know they think BYU some frauds out here on these streets. And after last week, I kind of believe them because Boise State came in there and pushed them all over the place. So, I'm definitely going to take Baylor on that one. Um, like you said, my boys, number five, Alabama, come 17-point favorites on Mississippi State. We get our stuff together. We get back in this groove. We go ahead and treat Mississippi State like we should have treated Texas Day and them last week. And then we, we get out, you know, we keep it rolling and keep getting better, keep getting better, and hopefully get that showdown with Georgia. And then um, the one more game I think going to be very, very interesting. Number 13 Ole Miss, two-and-a-half-point favorites versus Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I know Tennessee been flopping around here for quite a long time. And they haven't really done nothing since Peyton Manning. But, well, you know what? No, because they won the championship the year later with T. Martin. So they really haven't done anything since T. Martin. And, and since Philip Former was on the sideline doing what he do. Um, this is going to be interesting. I think people sleeping on Tennessee. I think Tennessee is a lot better than what people think. And But, but I will say Vegas understand that too. Because Vegas got them at two and a half. Which tells me they understand that Tennessee got some juice too. This is this game was the only game that I had to say that it was a pick'em for me. I, I don't particularly like Ole Miss. If I had to pick a team, I'm gonna pick Ole Miss because I believe in Lane Kiffin more than I believe in jo- Josh Heupel. I think his name is. Um, so I, I'm gonna go with Ole Miss, but I think this is gonna be a very close game, and I would not be surprised if Tennessee pulled an upset. And win this game, being that it's at home. They also have a stadium that holds 101, you know, people in there. And, and you know, it's going to be rocking like a cutoff stocking, baby. So, with that said, I think that's a pick I'm going to take Ole Miss. But those are the games that stick out to me the most in college football this weekend. Yeah, he means, uh, means 101,000 people, not 101. It's, uh, I don't I'm think sorry. College, I don't think college football <laughs> fans care about COVID at this point. I'm just got to, you know, just got to be honest. You know, I think um, – First, you know, to have this the, the the week overall seems a bit underwhelming to me. I think the fact that it's Kentucky, Georgia, even though Kentucky, you know, I, I love what they're doing. I like watching them play. You know, that that Florida win was highly impressive. Now it, it's just one of those things like traditionally when you talk about SEC football, you don't think of Kentucky, you know. Right. But I mean, listen, Mark, I love what Mark Stoops has done with that program. He's made them a a serious a serious team, um, you know, unlike the likes of, say, uh, I don't uh, oh Vanderbilt. You know, so listen, I, I think I do agree with you. I think Georgia, 
Georgia doesn't they don't play the style of football where they're just gonna you know come out and just um you know just shred you offensively to where they just run up the score and the way Kentucky you know both of these teams are very good they, they could these could be you know the best two defensive teams in the in the uh in the conference that definitely Georgia but if you had to pick maybe a second best defensive team in the SEC you might go Kentucky at this point based on right, what we've right. seen so um I'm I'm definitely excited for that one. Um, it, it's not every day that you see Kentucky in that 3:30 CBS time slot on uh, for the SEC. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Um, you know, uh, look, look, Alabama. You know, I, I agree with you what you said. You know, I, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing much uh, much to believe that Mississippi State is going to be able to give them much of a problem. I think. Um, you know Alabama. That, that to me, just like I talked about with Kansas City and NFL, this is a week for Alabama to kind of get healthy and just get back on track um, with a team that, in my opinion, is uh, quite inferior to them. They should be able to handle Mississippi State quite easily. I think uh, you know the points. Uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee. That's one that caught my eye, um, just like it caught your eye. That that's a the, the spread is pretty tight in that one. But what we, one thing we do know about Ole Miss. Um, yeah, they they struggle on defense, you know. So all the for all the Lane Kiffin stuff, and may you know maybe he popped a little popcorn last week because he forgot it the week before. Even though we had, hey, get your popcorn ready, and he threw the headset. You know what it was. But uh, look, look, Arkansas dropped fifty-one on him last week. You got Sam Pittman. You know, thought he was going to go for two for the quick win, didn't work out for him. So that's how that that's the that's the uh, you know margin of error. It's close. But I'm gonna tell you, Tennessee. We're going to find out about Tennessee because what you have the last two weeks, they dropped 62 on Missouri. They dropped 45 on South Carolina last week. But we know, I mean, those are not two of the upper echelon programs right now in the conference. The week before they played those two games, Florida beat them 38-14. So now you have a situation where they're going to get Ole Miss, Bama, Kentucky, and Georgia. So we're going to find out about Tennessee very quickly. This is step one right here. Um, they should have a chance. They should have a chance to score a lot of points. I think it, you know, you could have a situation where it's just like it was between uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss last week. I think there's a lot of points. You could both teams could cross 50 in that one. If, if, uh, if I'm being honest with you, um, and then I'm looking at listen. Just to close it out, TCU and Oklahoma. I'm not. I'm not budging on this one. I don't want to see nothing of Spencer Rattler. I don't want to see it get Caleb Williams in the game. I think that, look, that might be the thing, that might be the spark that Oklahoma needs to stop being in these one-possession games to where we're looking at them and saying, you guys are not for real. Because that's what I'm saying right That's what I'm seeing right now with Spencer Rattler. They don't appear to be a playoff team with him back there under center or pistoling or shotgunning or whatever Lincoln Riley's doing. This Caleb Williams dude, there's a different feel when he gets in the game. I want to see more of him. All right, time to finish off the show with rapid reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Here we go, drink. Let's roll, baby. Brooklyn Nets superstar Kevin Durant said he is positive that the situation concerning Kyrie Irving and his vaccination status will work out. Are you as optimistic as KDJ? I'm not. Uh, you know, I think I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna see Kyrie this. Uh, this season when you consider like he, he seems to have a pretty firm stance on this uh, this whole vaccine issue and when you also combine the fact that based off what we've seen recently 
I think it'd be a fair assessment to say basketball may not be his number one priority, even though I'm sure he loves the game, but it doesn't appear to be the most important thing to him. So that's why I'm nowhere near as optimistic as KD is. On Wednesday, Penn State coach James Franklin refuted criticism from Iowa coaches and fans that his players have been faking injuries. Drink, did you know it was just any injury faking by the Nittany Lions and their loss to the Hawkeyes? They did the same thing every team do. Hey, when 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 the momentum is getting high, oh my hamstring, oh my knee, my knee, and then they go squirt some water on their face and they come back in the next play. What are we crying about? Like everybody does that. Like get over it. I, when Alabama played Texas A&M, go back and look how many players they had flopping around on the field out there. Like it is what it is, man. It's part of the game. Stop crying. See, this is you. You know what you said earlier. You said act like you've been there before. This is how you know I ain't been at this level before. They were crying <laughs> about stuff that everybody else been doing for decades. Man, knock it off. Milwaukee Bucks GM John Horst have received a long-term contract extension in the aftermath of the Bucks Championship Series. Well deserved. Yeah, much like uh, you know, Budenholzer got his uh, extension, you know, a few months ago. I think I think the GM's well deserved. I think you know if you look, at, you can nitpick a little bit in years past. If you want to talk about you know the Bledsoe Brogdon thing that I've been critical of, when you talk about last year with the championship run, I thought they pushed a, he pushed a lot of right right buttons. Uh, Drew Holiday was a big win. Bobby Portis, I thought that meant a lot. And then the midseason acquisition of PJ Tucker, you know those two guys in particular, Portis and Tucker, gave gave them more of a, you know that dog that we've been looking for. You know we criticized them for not having that tough guy or you don't want your best player filling that role. So I thought he hit all the right buttons last year, well-deserved extension. The Cardinals have acquired longtime Eagles tight end Zach Ertz in exchange for cornerback Tay Gowan in a 2022 fifth round pick. Clear win for the cards drink. Look, let me tell you something. I don't know who was happier to get this phone call. I don't know if it was DeAndre Hopkins when he got traded from the Texans to the Cardinals, or if it was Zach Ertz when he got traded from the Eagles to the Cards. All I know is this. The Cardinals know what the bleep they doing. Clearly, they know what the bleep they doing. You know, so yeah, another victory for the Cardinals, folks. Another one. After being eliminated by the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS, a major offseason priority for the Brewers would be finding a way to get outfielder Kristen Yelich back to form that earned him the MVP in 2018. What advice do you have for Yelich and the Brewers, Jay? I probably, I guess, just ditch all the film from the past, you know, year plus or whatever, because you know, 2020 was an abbreviated season due to coronavirus. So, um, you know, it, I think this is among the one of the biggest mysteries in baseball over the past couple seasons. I mean, the the one good thing that I will say is like, it appears that he hasn't he hasn't lost his like eye for the strike zone. You know, his on base percentage was uh, I think it was you know above 360, which is impressive because you know the batting average the, the the numbers just are not nowhere near close from the MVP season of 2018 and then he was also the runner up in 2019 so maybe it's, I mean I guess before covid Christian Gellers was good after covid we don't know what's happening but uh, this is definitely you know the, the number one issue for them moving forward um, you know they got to get back in the lab get in the cage and uh, figure out what's going on with that swing that's that's a huge deal for them Ravens defensive coordinator Dwink Martindale had an interesting take on the arm of Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert saying he's one of those guys who can throw a strawberry through a battleship. Uh, what do you make of that assessment? Is that the same assessment as throwing like a football through a keyhole? I don't I've never I've never heard anybody say that before in my life. I don't 
I'm not old enough to know what that means. Clearly, that's like some old term that I've never heard of. So I'm assume is a compliment because he wouldn't have said it if it wasn't. And I'm assume is a very good thing. That's about as far as I go. I'm gonna have to get the research people to let me know what that means because I'm lost in the sauce on that one. New Orleans Pelicans star forward Zion Williams would miss the start of the regular season because of a right foot injury that required off-season surgery. How much time can the Pelicans afford to be without Zion? Uh, probably none because they're not. Uh, they haven't been that good with him the past couple seasons. So to be without him, uh, I, I don't, I don't love that. So, um, yeah, none. The Seahawks have placed quarterback Russell Wilson on injury reserve due to his finger injury, which means he will have to miss the next three weeks, and he could miss up to eight weeks. Uh, does that spell the end of the Seahawks' playoff hopes? Hell yeah, it does. The Washington football team will be without wide receiver Curtis Samuel on Sunday, and that adds to a long list of injuries on the on the offense, which which includes tight end Logan Thomas and offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff and Sam Kismet. How concerned would that how concerned would that make you feel about the foot if you was a football team fan, Jay? A lot. You're playing the Chiefs, so that means you're gonna have to score a lot. Last one, tomorrow evening, it's UFC Vegas 40, Lad versus Dumont on ESPN and ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event is a woman's featherweight fight between the number three ranked bantamweight contender Aspen Ladd against Norma Dumont. Drink, who wins? I don't even know who the hell Norma Dumont is. So I'm taking Aspen Ladd just because she the fighter that I know who this is. I, hey, hey, listen. You know, we give ESPN a lot of flack because they've been flopping around. And I'm starting to think it's rubbing off on the UFC. They're just over here making up main events now. Like, <laughs> I love talking about UFC and MMA, but come on, man. I don't know. I never even heard of this woman before. She probably could whoop my butt, but I've never even heard of her before. I'm taking Ashton Ladd in this one. All right. And that includes to, concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinking, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday, and you know what we gonna do. We gonna holler at you until next time, baby. And ladies and gentlemen, this is A Drink of Wisdom.